This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I have some super exciting news. I officially have merch out for the podcast. So I'm calling it merch, but it's actually really high quality pieces. There are t-shirts, there are crew neck sweaters, keychains, stickers, all really unique, cool designs that I think are awesome, whether you know the podcast or not. So check them out at wasthatgoodforyou.co or at the at wasthatgoodforyou Instagram. Really cool stuff that I'm super excited about and I hope you like it too. Hey guys, my name is Rhea and this is Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long-distance dating and everything in between. Today's topic is, well, I guess today doesn't really have a topic. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things, but today's guest is Gabrielle Castle. Thank you for coming on. Am I saying that right? Gabrielle Cassell. So it kind of rhymes. (laughs) Gabrielle Cassell. Gorgeous. I love it. So um, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about what you do, your work, and kind of like your Instagram and all that? Sure, sure. Hi, everyone. Gabrielle Cassell here. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I am a sex journalist. I primarily focus on creating articles that are queer inclusive and health informed and sex positive. Um, So I write about everything from sex toys and pleasure products to fisting to STI testing and the list goes on. Um, When I'm not writing articles, I am turning the articles that I've already written into shareable graphics on Instagram, which is how um, Ryan and I know each other. Yeah, definitely. And have you, so have you like always been a writer and then just decided one day to start writing more about sex and then got that kind of snowballed into where you are now? Yeah, so it's a good question. I I majored in English and queer studies in college, a very liberal arts degree, and I always knew I wanted to be speaking and writing to queer people. So when I got into the field, I thought I would be writing on less sexual topics like, you know, how do you have a family if there's two vulva owners in the relationship? Okay. Or how do you navigate going to the gym if you want to wear a binder when you're working out? Right. And then I started writing about sex. And sex is so fun to write about that I just kind of got hooked. Absolutely. And I think it's nice because you can kind of – You can merge those two things and you can write about like gender and queer topics and sexuality and you can kind of do it all, which is really great. But it it, it is. It never ceases to amaze me how much people want to read and hear about sex. And, you know, a really interesting thing happened a few years ago. Google basically said to all of these magazine brands, we don't want to prioritize porn when people search topics like lesbian sex or anal sex or... Um, fisting or yeah. sort of sex acts and topics that maybe the LGBTQ community is searching. And so for the first time, these magazines and their their corresponding websites, they really had like a monetary drive and a traffic impetus to be writing articles about those topics. So I think wow. that's part why over the last sort of five years or so, you've seen more of those topics on the internet. That's so interesting because I had no idea about that, but obviously I do a lot of research for the podcast. And I've thought before, very like fleeting, oh, it's interesting that I'm searching this and the first thing that's not coming up is porn. 
And I had no idea that that's why. It's because Google's probably like prioritizing articles and research over just like porn videos. That's insane. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's great news for for all the sex havers out there because then they can get education as opposed to entertainment, which is how Right. Absolutely. And I feel like even for publications and writers too, there was probably a time where publications didn't want to put a lot of emphasis on that because they didn't think that people, it was going to be found or that Google would prioritize it because there's all these issues with like, you know, obviously everybody knows about Instagram and how they, you know, shadow ban things and stuff like that. So it's nice that Google actually gives it a platform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one thing I wanted to talk about um, was sex toys, obviously. My favorite. So I have seen so many sex toys on your Instagram that I had never heard of or seen or anything like that before. And I guess I just kind of want to talk a little bit about like I know a lot of women who are intimidated by sex toys, who like really have no idea where to start. I think a lot of people, especially in like America or I guess North America and Canada where, you know, things are a little bit more taboo to talk about. It's really, really hard for people to muster up the courage to go into a sex shop and to explore and to like ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where does a beginner start? So my favorite quote-unquote sex toy to recommend to folks who have never dabbled before is actually lube, specifically water-based lube because you can use it with sort of with condoms and with toys. Um, And the reason is that it gets you used to using something that your body doesn't naturally produce in your sexual play. I also think it's good for partners who are exploring um, pleasure products for the first time because it really shows you that sex toys and sex aids are additions to your sex life and not replacements, which I think is right. such a big fear for folks. Yeah. Um, so in, my, in my opinion, lube makes all different types of play more pleasurable, whether it's nipple stimulation or um, manual or hand sex, oral sex, penetrative yeah. sex. And so lube is, is sort of my go-to recommendation. I love if, that. If folks have already sort of dabbled into the lube game, then I say to them, think about what types of sensations you already like. Okay. And then let's work together to find a pleasure product that does that for you, either at a more consistent pattern, in a hands-free way, or better. And the reason is you don't need to reinvent the game when it comes to sex toys. If you've never explored um, your ass before, there's no reason that the first time you get a sex toy, it should be an ass toy. Right. When if you know you like oral sex, why don't we start by getting a a, a sex toy that is meant to um, replicate that feeling? Right. So yeah, I think that that's a really good point because I feel like a lot of times people like you know the top three most common sex toys that are talked about, maybe not purchased, are like you know dildos and butt plugs. And vibrators. And so Mm -hmm. people automatically think that those are the only sex toys available and that there's like three different types. Like I feel like when people think about a vibrator, they think about like maybe the rabbit or something like that. When people think about a dildo, they think about like a very large dildo. Like they don't realize that there are like different sizes and shapes and things like that. And then it's interesting, like you said about the butt stuff, because I feel like so many people too, I've talked to guys who I'll be like, oh, do you guys play with sex toys? And their first thing is like, like a butt plug. And I'm like, where did that come? Right, right. (laughs) And so I think that that makes sense. That's where a lot of the fear comes from is not realizing that there are so many different options for so many different things that you already like that can kind of just enhance that thing. 
Exactly, and, and most of the pleasure products out there, they're not designed to replace a sex act that you already like. They're just designed to maybe do it differently. So if your hand gets tired, you have a sex toy that works just like your hand does that you right. can use instead that gives your fingers a rest. Or if you're, maybe your tongue gets tired or you're thirsty, there's a sex toy that you can pull out that can do what your, what your tongue or mouth was doing. So how do you feel about – because I, I I have found with certain people, and I guess maybe kind of with hetero men um, more than anyone, that there's like an intimidation around this – my partner is going to like the sex toy more than me. Or like this is going to be this thing that's like maybe not going to replace the sex act, but like going to replace me as like their primary source of pleasure. Where do you think like that comes from? Um, So two responses to that. You know, the first is, is that that – response prioritizes the partner over the other partner's pleasure. Okay. So right from the get-go, I'm like, yikes, like that that response is all ego. It's all yeah. ego. If possible, think about the sex toy as this thing that is bringing your partner a lot of pleasure and not this thing that is replacing you because okay. you can use the sex toy with your partner. You can use the sex toy on your partner. You might even be able to use the sex toy that your partner likes on yourself yeah. to experience new kinds of pleasure. I that, see that's that's an important thing thing I think to know is the ego thing because so many people and I mean there's this is a common thing right there's a lot of ego that comes with sex and and relationships in general and stuff like that but taking that out and just like thinking what is going to be the best situation what is going to be the most pleasurable situation and not like what is going to make me the most insecure or whatever the case is. Right. And, and you know, for folks who are insecure, it's, it's worth noting that a sex toy is not going to love your partner the way that right. you love your partner. And a sex toy is not going to do their laundry for them or romance them and ask them how their work day was. Exactly. They're not going to watch TikToks with you. Like those are, <laughs> those are, those are the important things. <laughs> so do you have, um, just out of curiosity, like a favorite underrated or like less mainstream sex toy that like people wouldn't necessarily like know about? So I have three that come to mind. Love so that. the first is any product that's been made by the recently launched company, Cute Little Fuckers. It's oh, a queer owned company that makes vibrators specifically for queer folks. So okay. queer folks can use any, any vibrator on the market, of course, but there is something to be said about vibrators that are specifically made with queer folks and marketed with queer folks in mind. It's just Absolutely. really nice shopping for a product that that has sort of thought through all those nuances. So yeah. cute little fuckers, they have one product in particular called Starzy, which is like a palm-shaped vibrator that's really great for humping. So for folks who enjoy pumping the mattress to get off. Love that. My uh, my second favorite sex toy, really anything by Fun Factory. Fun Factory makes amazing dildos and okay. they just launched one called the Limba Flex, which is literally bendable. So rather Love. than having it be a particular like, you know, pointiness or shape, right. you can bend it to best hit your or your partner's internal hotspots. And I, what I like about they they come in two different sizes, a medium and a small, and both of them are both on the thin and short side, which okay. makes them a really good option for beginners for beginner anal sex and also beginner penetrative vaginal sex. Got it. The third sex toy that I'll recommend is anything stainless steel. My new favorite stainless steel sex toy is the Lawand Bow. Okay. The, the benefit of any stainless steel sex toy, in my opinion, is a few things. First, they're heavier, like the material itself is heavy, 
Okay. Um, and the heft of it can actually make it easier to stimulate internal hotspots. Interesting. So an example of that is vulva owners have a G-spot or a hot spot right. about two inches inside the vagina. And that tends to respond really well to pressure. But sometimes applying the pressure that it needs to feel sensation can be really tiring on the arm. Yes. So it's cool to have a, a weighty sex toy in that instance. Stainless steel also absorbs temperature really well. So you can pop it in the freezer or dunk it in a glass of hot water and use it to explore temperature play. Wow. Well, I had no idea that sex toys could even be made of stainless steel. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it makes sense because I remember like, I I don't know about you, but this was like a thing back in the day for me when I first started like asking my mom if I could get piercings where like everything had to be stainless steel because it was like the best for your body. Like it was the least, there was like the least amount of chance that you were going to get like infected or anything like that. Like it just like stainless steel works well for holes in your body. So I guess it only makes sense that it would work well for sexual holes in your body. It's so easy to clean. Nothing better than an easy to clean sex toy. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. Amazing. So I will make sure those are all linked below because I've never even heard of those and those were all great. And then another one I wanted to talk about that I had also never heard of, and I don't remember the name of it, but I'm sure when I start describing it, you'll know what it is immediately. But it's the one where it's like you put it um, on a penis in in case the penis is like too long. Oh, it's called the O-Nut. The O-Nut. Yeah, I had never heard of that before, but um, I think especially like I've always had that issue with like with like larger penises. I'm mm-hmm. just like, like and I and then I like kind of feel bad because I'm like, you know, like doing the yeah. whole like yeah. noise that like, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like yeah. it's hard for me sometimes to take it as like a very small, tiny girl. So I saw that and I was like, oh, my God. Wait, like, so let me, let me just explain it to folks who maybe haven't heard of yes. the O-Nut before. So the O-Nut is designed, it's a series of stackable rings that go over the base of a penis or dildo. They're, I don't know, maybe a centimeter or two high, and you can stack up to four or five or even six of them if you need to yeah. adjust how deep um, the penis goes into the, the anus or the vagina. So it, it literally acts as a penis bumper. Um, it. So it's great for folks who find deep, 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 deep penetration painful or for who otherwise want to sort of like negotiate how much depth they're getting. I love that. And that too, it's like I think if somebody has a dildo that in all other aspects they love and maybe it's like a little bit longer and they don't want to have to worry about like thinking about it, it's like mm-hmm. you can just pop one of the O-nuts on and it's great. Like you don't have to think about it. And I get oh, a lot of that. questions about this product like, well, how does it feel for the penis owner? And it's like it feels amazing for the penis over not to have to worry about every time they thrust causing their partner pain. Like that, right. that's not fun for them either. It, it, you Absolutely. know, it doesn't really affect the pleasure for them at all. So I'm always shocked when that's the first when that's the first question people have. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like it's one less thing for them to have to think about, or like you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's hard for a penis owner to have to look down and be like, okay, I know that they can take <laughs> it up to this length. So it's much easier to be able to just like know, like, oh, two O nuts is perfect for my partner. And right. then they don't think about it the rest of the time. So that's amazing. Right. I feel like I'm going to link a lot of products in the description of this episode. So I'm really excited for that. Good, 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 good. Uh, so speaking of, I guess, sex toys and technology, another thing that you um, posted about, um, which I do, but I had never known, and maybe you invented the word, I'm not sure, it was doomsturbating. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if you had, in- if you had invented that I word. I did, I coined it. I'm so proud. <laughs> I love it. Would you mind explaining to the audience um, what doomsturbating is? So 
let's backtrack. So doom scrolling is where the word initially came from. And I feel like it's become such a hot topic word in the middle of the pandemic. But doom scrolling is this idea that you get on your phone and just scroll, 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 scroll. And, um, and in a, sort of this addicted, mindless way on Twitter, Instagram, or your, or your email. One day I found myself while I was scrolling, doom scrolling, reach one of my hands in between my legs and start self-pleasuring. Yeah. And I, I like realized I was doing it. I truly have no idea how many minutes in it had been. And yeah. I was like, what is up with that? So <laughs> I reached out to my editor at Well and Good. I was like, can I write about this phenomenon? We can call it doom scrolling. So I reached out to a few um, other educators and they basically said, you know, for, for, for one thing, it's important to know that touching your genitals is actually a reflex of comfort. So actually a lot of babies do it and little kids do it when they're feeling overwhelmed or they're yeah. feeling stretched out. They'll literally reach into their pants because it's so warm in there. Yeah. So, and in some instances, doomsturbating, like the way I had been doing, was just a reflex of self-comfort. Right. Doomsturbating is also more common now when we are not only having sex and napping and masturbating in our beds, a lot of us are also working in our beds. Yes. And that can really confuse the brain. So it's actually not super rare or problematic that our brain, while we're doing one of the things that we now do in bed, like scrolling Twitter or email, would also think, okay, let's do more than one thing while we're in bed and then also wow. have to masturbate. Damn. And then a third reason you might do it is just you're on your phone and you're watching some porn or you're listening to some audio erotica and then, you know, an email from your boss pops up. So you're like, oh, I'll just keep, you know, fiddling around down there while I look at this email. It's like before you know it, you're doomsterbating. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's like it's kind of in a similar situation for me where it's like I, I have porn up or I don't have anything, but my phone is next to me. And then maybe I like orgasm once and I'm like not sure if I want to like go for a second time. But like in between, I'll like pick up my phone and I'll like scroll, scroll, scroll like Twitter, Instagram, or I'll like check an email or if I like if I click my phone and I have like a, a message or a Slack or something, I'll hit it. And I think for me, I felt a lot of shame around it. Like I was like, oh my God, like I can't even put this down to masturbate now. Like am I am I that far gone? Am I that right. stuffed into technology? But yeah, so I think it's comforting to know that like there is some science behind it a little bit because yeah, I don't have a desk in my in my bedroom. I either work on like the couch in my living room or or my bedroom. And so yeah, I guess it makes sense that every if I'm doing everything there anyway, and I actually kind of do that a little bit now. Like I I, I will notice I'll be like watching TV and I'll like stick my hand in my pants. Like it's mm -hmm. definitely like a comfort thing that I maybe mm -hmm. didn't grow out of as much mm -hmm. as I did. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it makes sense that I would correlate that because also I think so Social media, and especially in the state of the world right now, makes people anxious. So it's not that crazy to think that like we'd be getting anxiety from our phone and then immediately want that kind of like self-soothing, self-pleasure at the same time. Right, right. I mean, it makes sense, right? We're living in a really chaotic time. Yeah. And we're living in a time where the folks, those of us who are lucky enough to work from home have really no boundaries between our work selves and our pleasure-seeking selves none. and our, you know, all of the other selves we have. All of it. Yeah, there's none. So that's interesting. And I guess on that note, um, you know, we can't really talk about anything right now without talking about the fact that we're in the midst of a pandemic and there's a lot going on right now. And I think that I've talked about this a bit on the podcast in the sense that like 
this this idea of the fact that like boundaries are changing and um we're all you know sharing trauma and there's like this increase in loneliness do you feel like in your in your opinion that that's going to affect us long term in relationships and sexuality i'll take a hopeful note on in my response to this i love that i don't hear that often I'm hopeful that the way people are engaging conversations around COVID and COVID testing and potential exposures and the safety precautions that they're using, I'm hoping that the conversations that folks who are dating, especially dating in more casual ways are having, will bleed over and support folks in having conversations about STIs. So in my own life, I'm back on the apps and I'm dating somebody. And the second conversation that we had was about COVID testing. And we are both super COVID cautious. And so before we even met, we both got COVID tested. So then four dates later, once we realized that we liked each other and wanted to spend more time together, we had already set a precedent in our relationship in which we prioritized the other's health. And we are aware of the fact that our health status could have direct implication to the other person's. And so when I said something along the lines of, I really like my partners to get tested before we have sex, that could either be a fun date idea that we do together, or it can be something that we do separate and we show each other our results. That, That was very in line with the ethic that we had created on our relationship because before date number one, we had been talking about COVID testing. Right. So I'm sure that I am not an oddball in this sense at all. I'm sure a lot of folks are having experiences where they're asking people that they haven't even met or have only gone on a few dates with to get COVID tested. Oh, 100%. Well, that's, that is so interesting to me because it's not weird to ask that, right? Like everybody's like – Everybody's posting like just today, if I had to guess, I've seen at least two stories on Instagram of people with their COVID tests. Right. And um, I wish that STI testing was was that common and like not taboo to post and be like mm-hmm. going to get STI tested again, like because I'm dating and that's very normal and like healthy and something we should all be doing. But instead, right. like, I wish that it was as common now as COVID testing. So you're right. Like, I would love for that to be a thing where like, we're already talking about health. We're already kind of like thinking about that in our relationships. It's like a very common question. How many times have you been tested for COVID? Right, right, right. So it would be awesome if that can kind of seep into that and be like this thing where it's not weird on a second or third date to say, how many times have you been STD tested in the past year? Right. Right. And, and when you ask somebody if they've been COVID tested, never are they like, like you think I would have COVID? Like, no, it's a fucking global pandemic. Like of course (laughs) I'm going to ask that. But unfortunately, sometimes you ask folks to get STI tested or if they know what their STI status is and they do have that reaction. They're like, oh, like you want me to get STI tested? Like that's yeah. preposterous. And, and the answer is neither of those things are preposterous. Right. Absolutely. And there, it is interesting that there's so much anxiety around that on like about being asked that question or asking that question. Like I've talked to girlfriends who have been like, oh, it's like, it's just like an, it's just like a, it's an awkward thing to ask. You know, it's an awkward thing to ask. And, and I'm not sure why I understand it. And I've been in that situation, but it's, it's, it shouldn't be an awkward thing to ask. And like you said, it's like, I love that we're talking about so much about testing right now. Cause I do hope that that can be a thing where I, I actually made the joke a couple months ago about how 
masks reminded me a lot of condoms. Oh, and fun. That, like people don't want to wear masks because it's uncomfortable. And like I've – it's like a lot of that similar energy happens in sex where people are like, but I don't want to wear a condom. And it's like – it's in the same way that condoms have become like the poster child for – like, you know what I mean? For like bad, it's like, I don't want to have to do this. Like this is right. an annoying or a bad thing. So many like anti-masks or anti-maskers remind me of that in the sense yeah. where it's, but I don't want to do it when it's like <laughs> right. really not that big of a deal. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, and I've even had girlfriends who have been like, which is, which is, is terrible. And honestly, it just makes me feel bad, but it's like, oh, we were hooking up and we didn't use a condom and I'll ask why. And they'll say, well, you know, we started and then like there was, I, I didn't want to stop it. You know, it was like, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to ask. I didn't want things to get awkward. I didn't want to ruin mm-hmm. the mood. And, um, it's like, I wish that, imagine if that was the same with masks, right? If it was like mm-hmm. you were having a conversation with someone on the street and their mask was down and it was like, I feel like more people are, are, it's easier for people to be like, Oh, would you mind just like putting your mask up? Or like, you know, would you mind standing like a couple extra feet away? And it's like the, the conversation should be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do hope that the conversations we're having around COVID help folks see that prioritizing your own health and asking other folks about certain health statuses that they have is by no means a moral implication about like who they are. Right. Um, Absolutely. It's not. Absolutely. For sure. And then I also think too, on another note, uh, a good thing about, uh, I don't know about a good thing, but a possible positive of quarantine is that I do feel like so many people are are able to explore themselves sexually more. I feel like we have all this time. And like you said, we're spending all this time in bed anyway and Mm -hmm. by ourselves. And I've heard a lot of people say that like they've, you know, they have bought their first sex toy or started watching porn for the first time or started masturbating regularly where they didn't before. And I Mm -hmm. think it's just giving people, I think, more time and space and less distractions to kind of explore who they are and what they like in the bedroom. I think so too. And I, you know, I I will say I think there are people who are all over the spectrum on this. I think there's some folks who are really affected, whose libido is really affected by the survival stress that the global pandemic is. And as a result, their libido has either skyrocketed or their (laughs) libido has completely disappeared. For me, my libido completely disappeared for like the first six months of quarantine. Um, But I know all folks aren't in that, in that boat, but you know, the, the global pandemic has so many weird effects on our libido. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it affects us and of course it does, it's going to affect our libido and our interest in sex. So for some people, you know, it might affect their libido, make it higher. And if your libido is high, it's a great time to explore with toys or with your hands or with new solo or partnered or multi-partnered sex positions. Absolutely. And then I think too, for people who are experiencing a lower libido, it's, it's fine. Like I think that's okay too. And it's, it's fine that like, I think people, a lot of people I found are really hard on themselves during this time because they're like not motivated or, uh, you know, they're having trouble with their relationships or they're moody, or like you said, they have a low libido. And it's like, I don't think that there, there's obviously, obviously no guidebook on how to handle what we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how we're handling it, I think it's, it's fine. Yeah. I like to remind folks too, that their libido, whatever changes it's, it's undergone are not permanent. Like, like I said, my libido completely disappeared for six months. And then once I found myself in a new routine that allowed me to handle the pandemic stress better, my libido returned. Right. Well, I think that that's an interesting point too, because uh, it's natural for libidos to, to, to rise and low, just like 
throughout our lives. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think that we're going to be ultra horny and ready to have sex all the time forever. Right. And I think a lot of times people get really, really hard on themselves when they find themselves in, in phases of their lives where their libido is lower. I think you're right. For sure. That's very interesting. Um, and then another thing I wanted to talk about, which this you actually posted this a while ago, but it stuck with me, was okay. your 30 days of masturbation. And I think one thing I really liked about it was the fact that it was so detailed. And I don't think that I've seen – I've obviously, a lot of sex educators talk about masturbation, and a lot of people talk about it, and it's becoming a little bit more common. But I think a lot of people I know don't know how to masturbate. Like mm-hmm. they know what the word means and they know that there are options in terms of sex toys and vibrators, but like it's not necessarily one of those things that you just like know how to do automatically. And like some people are a little bit later bloomers when it comes to, you know, exploring themselves for the first time. So I loved that your posts were so detailed mm-hmm. and you gave this really, really informative way of like, here are some ways that you can touch yourself and, you know, work with sensation and things like that because I don't think that really, really detailed almost, I don't know if how-tos are the right term, but like for masturbation exist out there. Yeah. I mean, the goal of the post, so I'll tell I'll tell people who, who haven't seen the post that I posted, yeah. but for every day of May of 2020, I posted a tip or um, a way to maybe try touching yourself. And the goal was ultimately to inspire folks to try masturbating and exploring their bodies in new ways, not to prescribe them to touch them in a certain way. And ultimately, the goal of it was to was a few things. One, to help folks see that they can reap pleasure from their body, even if they are not touching their genitals. Yes. A lot of times when we think about masturbation, we're like, hand meets genitals. Right. Like, hand meets vibrator meets genitals. And so the goal was basically to be like, you can touch your neck or you can touch your nipples or your pubic mound or your, your butt cheeks or your bum hole and experience pleasure in those ways on your own. Yeah, definitely. And I think also it's interesting too because – so I personally, I never had sex ed. I've talked about this on the podcast. I went to private Catholic school from three to 18. So I never, not only did I not have the like not very good public school sex ed that that children have, I had no none, like nothing at all whatsoever. But from what I've heard of, of public school sex education, it's not exactly thorough. Uh, it doesn't exactly cover all, all the nuances that come with sex and sexuality. And so I think... I feel like that's one of those things that's missing from sex ed is are things like that and letting people know that like it's not just you know jacking off in the sense for for right. penis owners and it's not just like two fingers in your vagina for your, it's it's right. like it's so much more there's so much more to it there can be so much more to it and I think it's important that that stuff is is taught and and more readily available to people and especially to young people Well, masturbation, no matter who's doing it, is not a reproductive sex act. So most sex education curriculums aren't going to teach that because really the point of masturbation is both is pleasure and body exploration. And that's not something sex education curriculums talk about. And unfortunately, I think the combination of sex education curriculums refusing to talk about pleasure and then also like movies and sort of like the social frameworks that we have, they kind of teach us that we do not know our own bodies. Yeah. Instead, some 
really hot person is going to show up in our life one day and <laughs> teach us about our bodies. Like right. the best example I can think of off off the top of my head is like Fifty Shades of Grey, right? I'm like just thinking like that Grey, like teaches Anastasia Steele about like her body and gives her her first or like gives her quote unquote gives her her gives first her orgasm as opposed to like helps her. Oh, just the whole thing. Um, so masturbation is great because it, it shows folks that they can be responsible for their own pleasure. And that. And part of the reason that's so great is that when somebody sees our bodies for the time, first time or gets, the, gets the, the privilege of touching them for the first time, that's the first time they've seen or touched our bodies. Yeah. They have no idea what the fuck it needs to, to orgasm or receive pleasure. And yes. so it's on us to inform them and help them understand how to give our bodies pleasure. And so yeah. masturbating and having regular masturbation practice in a lot of ways kind of flips that fucked up script. Definitely. And I think too, that, that also goes to the point of like, I was just talking about this with a friend today about how a lot of people find that the very first time that you have sex with someone is kind of, kind of decides what's next in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I know so many times where somebody has been on the apps or whatever and been dating and like they have sex with someone for the first time and it's, it's not great for whatever reason. There was a lack of communication or, you know, whatever, there's a million reasons. And a lot of times that if it's early on, it fades out yeah. because of that. And and that that's crazy to me because it kind of goes back to what you're saying about like how do you meet someone for the, you know, first three times, a couple hours each time and then expect them to just know exactly what to do. Right, right. And expect yourself to know exactly what to do. Yeah. Like I think it's true that some some people, they just don't have the right chemistry. For but sure. But I also push back against the idea that somebody can be bad in bed because I don't actually think that's true. I think it's that you either weren't a good match in terms of your sexual tastes and preferences yes. or there was a lack of communication or a lack of um, sort of listening to both verbal and nonverbal cues. So Definitely. lack of communication or lack of listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, it's like I have found that it's really hard for people to communicate about sex in the beginning. Um, even when I've been in long-term partnerships, I find that certain people have a really hard time talking about sex outside of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. um, and I really want to do that all the time. Like yeah. I want to be like sitting on the couch at like 2 p.m. like watching the Great British, British Baking Show and be like, let's talk about this kink that I want to explore, like whatever. Yeah. But that's not, you know, the, the case for a lot of people. So I find that in the beginning especially it's like – people have a really hard time asking for what they want or asking questions at that, you know, at the end of a, of a sexual encounter where they'll be like, you know, what did you like? Did this seem off? Was this weird? And people just, like you said, just don't have those conversations and then yeah. things fizzle out or whatever. And like you said, of course it can always be that it's just not a right match or whatever, yeah. but so much of that I think can be handled better and can add longevity dating someone if people would just kind of talk about those things more. Yeah. And I'll offer two tips for folks who maybe want to try talking about sex outside yeah. of sexual contacts with their partner. The first one is for you to actually just respond to whatever it is that the partner did to you or did with you during sex and to be vulnerable in that way. Like yeah. after sex, you might be like, oh my gosh, that thing you did with your hand and my blah, blah, blah hole, that was amazing. Like what yeah. was that? Can you show me like the motion that you were making? Like I can't visualize because that, that that one that's complimentary and who doesn't love a good sex compliment? But right. two, it sort of opens up a dialogue around what it is that you tried. Right, definitely. The other method is going to sound silly, but it's the Oreo method. Okay. <laughs> where it's 
And this is better for folks who maybe have something they want to tweak that their partner did that they don't really like. So compliment them. Okay. Offer a suggestion for something they could do different and then compliment them again. So if you, I'm trying to think of an example, like maybe you're like, oh, babe, like when you went down on me, it felt so good when you moved your tongue left to right on my clit. I didn't like it as much when you were digging for treasure in my vagina. I mean, okay, don't phrase it like that. But like, why is that a thing people do? (laughs) Not shaming anyone. (laughs) And then also, but man, it felt so good when you were touching my clit. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, that's great too. Because like you said, it's like, who doesn't want to be complimented during sex? So it's like, if it's like you said, sandwiched between these two things, it's like easier to swallow. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. That's a great tip, I think. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we are pretty much at our time limit, um, crazy enough. But that was amazing. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was a great conversation. I'll make sure that your socials, um, as well as all the products we talked about, will be linked in the description. Um, But yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Raya. Bye, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, please leave a good rating. It really helps me out. And check out wasthatgoodforyou.co for merch. 